This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's up, guys? Red Nation News Podcast. My name is Solomon. It'll be at Red Nation Hoops on Twitter. You're joined by Forrest Walker at Do Not on Twitter. How you doing, man? Uh, pretty good. Uh, just got back from betraying my basketball roots and watching a football game. Yeah, it was a good game. It was a good game. I'm I'm not a huge football fan either, but it was a good game to watch. So Ryan Anderson has been traded, and this has been talked about for over a year now. How did you feel about this particular trade? Initial reaction. Oh boy! Uh, initial reaction. I mean, it's it's right there on my Twitter. I said, "Well, but why?" <laughs> so, yeah. It, it. Here was my reaction. Like it just felt more of what the of the same with the Rockets this summer. Like it felt like they were kicking the can down the summer. At the at the heart of the trade, this is obviously a financial move, right? The Rockets have been trying to get rid of Brian Harrison's contract. It just felt like the Rockets were going to make a move in which they didn't have to give up a first-round pick. Like it, it started to feel that way towards the end of the offseason uh, because it didn't really feel like the Rockets wanted to improve much this summer. It feels like, I mean, and, and it feels even more like this since they traded DeAnthony Melton. They're really, really eager to improve midseason. This might be a real, really active uh, trade deadline period slash uh, buyout market period for them this this season. Yeah, that's the goal. Uh, if they don't end up, you know, doing anything prior to that, that's of course still on the table. But uh, yeah, I would not be surprised if this ends up being a one of the rare big trade deadlines for Daryl Morey and the Rockets. He never lets them go by generally, but they're often they're not usually a big deal in Houston. Yeah, yeah. So how do you feel about the return, Brandon Knight and Marquise Chris? Like. In in my opinion, this felt like a good trade for both sides. I don't feel like any trade, any of these parties walked away like robbers. Like I feel like both parties can be satisfied with what they came away with from the trade. Like I feel like you know, obviously Phoenix gets a really intriguing young prospect in DeAnthony Melton that we both like and thought was a seal for the Rockets in the second round at pick forty six. So they they can walk away happy with that, and they got rid of two sunk costs in. Brandon Knight and Marquise Chris, who had frankly both become bad players these past couple of years, and for the Rockets, you know, it's obviously they get to get rid of Ryan Anderson's contract. They don't, they're not off that, they're not off that money completely yet because they're taking back Brandon Knight's salary, and that's not the best contract, but it's a better contract than Ryan Anderson. It clears up their books a little bit. They had to get rid of an asset for the, uh, for this, but. 
I feel like this was good asset management on the Rockets' part because they really utilized their 2018 draft to the to its fullest capacity. They traded that first round pick for Chris Paul. Obviously, it was it was part of the Chris Paul package. They traded that second round pick. Um, I mean, it basically became a first round pick value type of value. Uh, once you realize how good DeAnthony Melton was in summer league, um, they used that pick and they got back. You know, I mean, they got they got rid of Ryan Anderson's contract, so it felt like good asset management on the Rockets' part. Not a 100% home run trade because you're still stuck with Brandon Knight's salary, and you're and you you know obviously Marquise Chris hasn't showed much NBA promise yet. But <laughs> that's a way of putting it, yeah. Yeah, but there's there's room for optimism that I'll explain later on um, for why the Rockets can improve significantly at the at the buyout market. So how how do you feel about the return? Uh, I think it's a very reasonable trade. It's it's a trade that uh, hilariously everyone on Twitter thought was like bad for both teams right away, which was not yeah because everyone's kind of like wait what are they doing? Uh, I think in the long run it makes less sense for Phoenix. Honestly, uh, they get D'Anthony Melton who might be uh, who might be pretty dang good, but. They have a lot of dead salary in Ryan Anderson. He did he did lop off about five million dollars off of the end of his contract uh, in order to make this you know, facilitate it happening, which is pretty nice for for Phoenix. And of course, it helped Houston get the deal done. So yeah, he that did was Houston good for a, teams. Yeah. a huge favor there. Like he did Houston a huge favor. I mean, he did not have to do that. That was major. It obviously helped facilitate the trade. And like it showed that he was ready to move on. Like he did not, he did not. He was probably not happy with his role in Houston anymore. Yeah, I mean, he probably was not unhappy to go to a place where he'll actually get some minutes, and he's going to get like real minutes out there. Most likely, he can actually be helpful for them, uh, in that he is an a player who has skills on offense. Like he was not particularly useful to Houston, mostly because Houston is only concerned about beating the best of the best. Uh, and he doesn't particularly fit in their system when they're going up against the very best team in the league, a.k.a. the Warriors. But he's perfectly serviceable against lots of teams, especially in a lineup like Phoenix, which is full of young guys who need some veteran leadership and who need a little bit of shooting there. So I think he'll have a good time in Phoenix. Uh, I think he'll be useful for them to some degree or other. Uh, and he's probably more useful than Brandon Knight, who may seem to have totally given up on. Yeah, and but, uh, yeah, but I, I think it's the right thinking there for Phoenix. So, like, like, because I think yeah. you have to think th- think of that if those two contracts is as you know sunk costs. I mean, like, the real mistake teams make in the NBA is try to double down on their bad decisions and and you know try to like like Jaheel Jaheel Okafor was a big example of this, right? Like when when the Sixers traded. Um, you know, Oka four for Booker, and they had to give up a second round pick, and they eventually end up having to release Trevor Booker, and like it, it just wasn't, it just wasn't a smart de- chain of decision making processes for the Sixers, and like I feel like that's kind of the thinking there with the Suns, like yeah, they 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 had to give up a, a bit to get Marquise Chris, but I mean, clearly, he clearly isn't a pr- good NBA prospect right now. I mean, he's he was quite literally one of the worst players in the NBA by most advanced metrics uh last year i mean marquise was really dropping down the leader like if he doesn't work out in houston like he may not be an nba player like there's just a real chance that he just may not be an nba player and i think getting rid of that to get a a star prospect in melton who i think will fit alongside devin booker 
great. Like, I think that's kind of the ideal person in theory to put next to Devin Booker, a Swiss Army knife, if you will. Uh, Good defender, good steals guy, can cover up the tougher tougher assignment of the two at the guard position. I like that pairing for, for, for Phoenix. And... Yeah, you're right. Brian Anderson can play some some key minutes for them. I mean, as of right now, he probably he's probably their best bet to start at power forward. I mean, that's what Wadge tweeted right now. That makes me very happy too. Uh, imagine watching Ariza and Ryan Anderson on that lineup starting. It's right. it's great, right? <laughs> like I will I will I really want that to happen. It would be delightful, uh, and not just entirely for some kind of weird shot in Voida. I think that they both deserve a chance to uh to really prove themselves so right right and and, and i th- i think ryan Harrison's going to provide some pretty great spacing for booker it's, if they indeed in, uh plan on playing booker at the point guard which it really seems like is headed that way right now like they have they just have no other point guard option they are they have a hole at the point guard position so yeah it, they absolutely do yeah so it feels like they're going to have to play devin booker at the point guard position so Having Trevor Ariza and Devin Booker, I mean not Devin Booker and Ryan Anderson space the floor feels like a smart move for them. It it feel on it honestly feels like they have some sort of directive from ownership. I'm not sure if you feel this way to win right away. Like it like their moves this summer feel like they have like someone has told them that we need to put the pedal to this to this rebuild right now. Like this this losing has got to stop. It feels like I I don't want to I don't want to say. Ryan McDonough's in the hot seat, but it feels like his seat's a little bit warm right now because the moves he's made this summer indicate that he's had some pressure to win from upstairs. Well, if Sarver doesn't want to keep losing, he should consider not being the cheapest owner in the sport. And I think in terms of Houston's return, like I, some people have said this on Twitter, like there's a, there's some optimism that Marquise Chris will succeed next to guards like you know Chris Paul and James Harden I'm just not sure Marquise is an NBA player to be honest like I I, I just I, I've watched too much of him to be any bit of optimistic on him like he just seems to have a lot of lapses on the <laughs> That's defensive a very end. damning sentence right there <laughs> yeah it's 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 I mean I, I I'm just being honest like I I don't really know what's what's there other than him being an elite athlete like he's Houston will simplify his role for sure. Like they're they're, go, they're going to ask him to to play backup backup five and just dunk and rebound. That's it. They're going to ask him to play poor man's poor man's poor man's Clint Capella, right? And hopefully yeah. that works out for him. Like right now, the Rockets have a pretty big logjam at center. I mean, they have Clint Capella, they have Nene, they have Isaiah Hardenstein, they have Zochi. And they have, and now they have Marquise Chris. So I'm not sure where he fits into all this. Like, I, I, I'm assuming he is probably going to be their third string center right right now. If they don't choose to play Isaiah Hartenstein there, I don't really know. And as far as Brandon Knight is concerned, like, you talk about a logjam. The Rockets have six <laughs> guards coming going into next season for both of those guard positions. We're talking Chris Paul. And James Harden, who both are going to play 30-plus minutes a night. So you're already taking a huge chunk of those minutes away. And from the backup position, you got Eric Gordon, who's going to play 29 minutes a night. And then you have Gerald Green. You have Michael Carter-Williams. You have Brandon Knight. 
I just I don't know okay. know who's gonna be that fourth guard. Like I. Oh. I all right, let me back us up to Marquise Chris for a minute because I think that that's the one we need to just kind of clear out and spend a little bit less time on as I think that he has a lot less of a likelihood of sticking. I think you're more or less right that he's he will probably not pan out, especially because there are some rumors about his work ethic and stuff that there's reason to believe that you know it's uh, it's not great. Yeah, but I think and, if and, he's going to work anywhere, it's Houston. Yeah, and he his contract next season is pretty team friendly. The Rockets can waive him and save a bit of money, which I think they will. Yeah, I mean, continue. I'm sorry to cut you off there. Okay, yeah. So uh, I think that if he's going to work at anywhere, it's in Houston. He has the skill sets Houston wants for a backup center. Uh, he can shoot the ball, which is a pretty that's a pretty that's a pretty big upside, right? Like it's actually quite useful, assuming he can stay on the floor at all. Uh, but yeah, I wouldn't count my chickens on that. I do think they would love to have someone who can eat up those backup center minutes. And I think they just want to kind of put as many... Uh, they want to throw as much at the wall as they can, right? So maybe Marquise Chris works out. Maybe Isaiah Hartenstein is ready to go this season uh, to be an NBA player. If either of those works out, that's fantastic because, honestly, they... I would suspect strongly they would like to play Nene fewer minutes in general. Uh, he was not particularly good in the playoffs, largely because he's a member of the 2002 draft. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, he's he's 35 years old, and, and and it's it's it feels like the Rockets are going to take even more minutes. Like he's he's gonna he's gonna play even less minutes next season and take even more rest days, which I'm not even sure is possible. I mean, he barely played back to backs and. I think for those nights where he where he doesn't play is kind of where they see Hardenstein and and Marquise Chris and Zochi fitting in. Like I think I think they're really gonna try all these guys, and I, I I I don't know who wins out there to be honest. Like I I honestly think what's gonna happen is one of these guys ends up in the in the G League, and I think two two of these guys are fiddling for back for third string center. That's kind of where I see it yeah. playing out. I think I think it's possible that. Hardenstein plays another year in the G League, or Zochi, or even Chris. Like I, I think, I don't think there is a solid candidate for, for anyone who's going to be the third string center. Yeah, like I said, I think the hope is that one of them will break out and and be particularly good. Uh, as long as one of them works out, I think they're fine. They just seem to have one player who can eat the rest of those minutes at center because a lot of those center minutes are going to be taken up, obviously, uh, by PJ Tucker, who is going to be in their small ball lineup when they run that out, which they're. They run out. They can run it out plenty. So I think they need one more reliable center. Like they need to have. They want someone who's not Nene to be the next guy up. Nene can be there for insurance and for spot minutes and you know matchups and such. But he's their Zaza Pachulia. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, though he doesn't hurt people as much, thank God. Uh, <laughs> so I think they're looking for one of those guys. They need they need one of them to pan out decently, and it's probably not Marquis Chris, but it could be Marquis Chris. Uh, so that's about that's about that with that with the centers. That's what we're looking at, and we'll just see who ends up being halfway decent. Right, right. And as far as Brandon Knight, like I, I honestly do not see. I mean, I think the Rockets try, are going to try to re up, like recoup his value. He's coming off a pretty brutal ACL tear that he tore during, like I think right before the season or, or in the beginning of the season. It was it was pretty close to camp, and I I don't think that he's going to see much time. But I think if you were to place a safe bet at the fourth guard position, I don't think it's going to be Michael Carter Williams. I think it's going to be Brandon <laughs> Knight. Like, uh, and I, I'm guessing he plays like 15 minutes a night, and the Rockets 
I honestly think the Rockets are planning on moving him again. Like, I think he's a good candidate for someone who's going to be repackaged, um, possibly at the deadline or even further down uh, next summer. Like, I I think he's probably dead salary, and they're hoping to get some quality minutes at fourth guard from him. Yeah, I think that's the case. I think that most likely he is indeed basically just a more movable trade ship. Uh, He's... He's definitely a more appealing contract than Ryan Anderson's was uh, at, you know, a good, like, what, like 25% per year. He's like 15 per year instead of 20. Uh, Same number of years. He has his contract extends through next season, but he's younger. You know, he's only 26. Uh, He could still be useful to somebody depending on how his rehab from his injury goes. Uh, He has in past been a totally serviceable player. Uh, and if they and in the meantime, assuming they play any or much of the season with him on the roster, they really do need someone to anchor that second that not just second unit that like the third and fourth unit. They need someone who can come those out garbage there. Garbage time units, right? Yeah, those garbage time units. They need to not lose twenty point leads in garbage time, which they do. You know they do. I know they do. Everyone <laughs> who watches Rockets games regularly knows that that was has been a real problem for them. So. I think even worst case scenario, I think he's not going to be as bad as like the real just litany of of uh, cast offs and maybe could be's that they've been running out there previously. And that's probably where the minutes come from, right? Like I'm I'm saying yeah. they have six guards for two positions, but if they if they're blowing guys out every other night, then there's a, there's minutes to be had, right? And that's probably where the Rockets and injury minutes, right? Because right. Paul and James Harden going to take games off for one reason or another. Right, like uh, they, it's kind of depressing the, the the players they've banked on this summer. Like they, they've they've taken a lot of shots of the dartboard this summer in terms of players that are on uh, kind of on the fringes, right? Like, I mean, if you look up and down the roster, Brandon Knight, Michael Carter Williams, James Ennis hadn't played major rotational minutes up until this season, which I expect him to play. Um, I mean, if you just look up and down the roster, there's just a t- Marquise Chris, they're just a ton of gambles the Rockets took this summer. And not all of them are going to pan out. Like, a lot of these guys are going to wash out. A lot of these guys are going to be bad. And that's that, that kind of brings me to my next point in that doing this trade, they don't have to give... They don't have to give DeAnthony Melton his rookie minimum. And in not yeah. giving him his rookie minimum, I know people are kind of like, what does that have to do with anything? Like, who cares, right? It's just... That's... A pretty significant development because in not paying DeAnthony Melton, the Rockets are going to add 800k onto their taxpayer mid-level exception. So their taxpayer mid-level exception was previously going to be like 3.8 million or something like that. It's it's now going to be 4.5 million dollars annually to spend on players mid-season at the buyout market that they have in their back pocket. Like that's a significant chunk of change, man. That's like double the veterans minimum. I mean, it, it's it's a crazy amount of money to to have mid season. It, it's the Rockets are one hundred percent planning on using this on using this money on someone significant, and that's that's kind of the biggest thing I got out of this trade. That's that's the, my my the biggest takeaway I got was that the Rockets are one hundred percent preparing for the buyout market, and they believe there's someone out there that's going to be. That's going to net them someone better than Luke and Bob Mute. They believe someone's going to free up and and you know take up that wing position and soak up a bunch of minutes for them. 
because I think that that's kind of the motivation behind this entire summer. They're kind of kicking the can down the road in hopes of improving midseason, and that's kind of why they've they've taken so many shots at the apple because some of these players are going to be bad, and if they're bad, the Rockets can easily waive them ahead of their you know their guarantee dates and free up roster spots uh, to acquire players. Like I, I think that's that's a huge reason. For what the why the Rockets did this trade, they don't have to pay DeAnthony Melton. That's another 800k they can pay someone else on top of their tax pyramid level exception. That's a lot of money. Four and a half million dollars is not anything to sneeze at. They're probably going to outbid any sort of contender that tries to go after any free agent in terms of money. Like they'll they'll have more money than Boston. They'll have more money than Golden State. They'll have more money than most of the of the playoff contenders out west. And that's you know that's huge. That's huge. Yeah, uh, that could be potentially super helpful down the road, and we'll see. Uh, I think, all right, so I think a lot of what's happened in this offseason is that the Rockets have poised themselves to uh, make a lot of great strides later, but it has been less about the present, uh, and so it's hard to parse right now. And that that's I mean, a fair criticism. Yeah. That is a fair criticism. I, I 100% get if you're going to knock the Rockets because of that. Like, if... By not focusing on the president, you are you are banking that the Rockets will make do up until that point. Yeah, and we don't know. I I do think that it's not going to be a problem against most teams in the league. I think it's basically only like the Warriors and the Celtics and maybe like maybe the Jazz or the the Raptors or something, which are going to be a particular issue for them at all. Uh, I I am not concerned about any other team. But uh, yeah, it's it's that's the that's the real question, right? Like maybe they do get those players they're looking for. Maybe someone does get bought out or something. Maybe they do find that they they have a taker for uh for Brandon Knight. Like he looks okay, and they can just go ahead and flip him for like like a Kent Bazemore flat out, or like a uh, like a, a Courtney Lee with like slight enticement or something. That that could be the case as well. So they have a lot of options. But it's hard to know how to bake those options in when we're thinking about how their season's going to go. Uh, and it's hard to know how, like, if if in the middle of the season they trade for, like, an important player in their defensive rotation, and also, of course, offensive somewhat, uh, then we don't know how it's going to work out also. Do they have enough time to really get them in the system? We don't know, uh, probably. But it, there's always there's always a pretty wide delta of possibility here. And uh, to, to talk about a larger issue, I think that most folks in the Houston community, uh, in the Rockets community, are assuming that things are going to work out toward the top end of that delta. And I think most folks outside, in like a more national community, are assuming it's going to work out toward the bottom of the delta. And also, and I want to say this, this is very important, I think that the perception of where the Rockets were in their possibility delta last season is very different between different people. I think... Uh, most folks around the league seem to have assumed that last season was very close to the ceiling for the Rockets. That, that went as well as it possibly could have. And I think that most Rockets commentary type folks do not think it was right toward the top of that delta. I think they think it's more toward the middle of it. So we'll see. There's a there's a wide array of possible futures of the Rockets right now, but I the sky is not falling uh, unless it does. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and you're right. A lot of buyout guys don't work out. I mean, look at Joe Johnson this year for the Rockets. I mean, he was just flat out not good. Just flat out a not good basketball player. And Brandon Wright, 
Brandon Wright was not good for the Rockets this year too. So I mean, a lot of bra- a lot of buyout guys just don't work out. But I think the Rockets are going to do their. I think the Rockets have done their due diligence on guys that are going to become buyout candidates. And like, I think I think they feel like there is going to be a significant player that shakes loose this buyout season that they that they can use that four and a half million dollars on, or you know, more than one player that they can use. You know they can split up that money in in between, um, and I think that's the kind of the calculus that went behind their whole summer. Honestly, otherwise they would have kept Lukemba Mute. I mean, if they were if they were planning on trading DeAnthony Melton, they would have given, they would have outbid the Clippers for Lukemba Mute for sure. Like for sure, they would have had enough money. They 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 could have easily done it. I think they made the calculus that his shoulder is bad. We can't pay him that much because we don't think he's going to be worth it by the buyout market and we think someone else is going to exceed his his contributions and I think I feel like that's kind of the calculus the Rockets are putting into this and I'm not sure I'm not sure if they're right like I I I think they're I think they're doing the right thing because I think they they've left a lot of avenues for themselves to improve it's not just the buyout stuff they in trading Ryan Anderson they kept all their first round picks which was a huge, huge, huge positive in my opinion. Yeah, that's, because, a, that's a big help for their future possibilities. Right, because right. not only can you trade that first-round pick, you can also trade Brandon Knight himself. You can trade Brandon Knight right now if you want. But yeah. the only thing is you can't package him with other players. You can trade Brandon Knight right now, package him with a first-round pick, and still get another wing if that if that's what you want to do. Or you can wait it out, more than likely, re, re, re-up, his value or someone else's value and make a significant trade at the deadline. I think they're leaving both possibilities open. It's possible it's possible they don't exercise both. It's possible they just they just find a way to use that four and a half million dollars and not have to make a trade. Uh, I suspect they're they're probably gonna do multiple things uh, towards the midseason. Like I think the Rockets are obviously very laser focused on attacking one team, one team only, and in doing that, I think the Rockets are going to exercise all. You know, they're they're going to explore everything. They're going to explore everything, and I think, I think that's kind of why I think this trade was a, it, it was a good trade. I'm not going to say it was a home run trade because they didn't completely get get off of Ryan Anderson's money, and they they had to give up a significant asset. I would say it's a good but boring trade. Right, right. It's very much a like a trade you would expect um, two thousand nine Daryl Morey to make, right? Like, like one of those yeah. three quarters for a dollar trades, and it's like, like a yeah, it's like a single or a double or whatever. You know, they're, they they've made some good headway, but it's not in itself any it's, great it's, shakes. Right. It's hard to see the forest from the trees. Right. It, it, it's. Is one of those trades where you don't really understand what's going on at the moment, and after possibly this time next year, you the picture becomes one hundred percent clear, right? And I think I think that's kind of the I think that's kind of why the Rockets did this trade. I think I think they see their future midseason as much much brighter than the average person does. Like I I I really don't think this. This that part of the trade, the pocketing the eight hundred k, the rookie minimum. That I really feel like that's not been talked about enough. I feel like all the talking points have been have gone towards Ryan Anderson and Brandon Knight, yeah. and, and Marquise Chris, and none have gone to the amount of money the Rockets saved and not having to pay DeAnthony Melton. 
Yeah, that really does help them with that mid-level exception. Um, right. Yeah, uh, I think that it's not off the table that they might even like trade uh, trade Brandon Knight before the season begins. We don't know. We don't know who they're talking to and what they're up to. Like, it's a that's a much easier trade ship to move. It cannot be overstated how much easier it is to deal with that. And it might take them into the season a while to show him off a little bit for some people to believe that he's ready to play and contribute, but. It was. It's going to be a lot easier to get someone to pick up his contract in exchange for like a three and D wing, which we're assuming it's you know the the biggest need when it comes to a playoff series. Uh, that's a lot easier to get. They could package him with a much less valuable asset. Like I honestly think that most that there's a real chance that they could put him together with like a second round draft pick and get someone, which is just way way easier to swallow uh, for their their mid and long term prospects than having to move a first round draft pick. Right. Like I think the Rockets have. I mean, I I really do believe the Rockets have big plans for that 2019 first rounder. Like whether that's a you know a mid season ad or a next summer ad. Like I feel like the Rockets are positioning themselves to use that first rounder in the most optimal way. I, I think that's kind of what's going on here. Um, overall, like I, I, I just don't think this trade has much bearing on their the start of their regular season at all. I mean, I, I don't think Brian is going to be able to contribute much until maybe a month into the season where he's fully shaking that rust off from not playing for a year. And I, the same thing goes for... Marquise Chris, I think he's gonna it's gonna take some time for him to become any sort of asset in the NBA, if at all, right? I, I don't think I don't think this is gonna help their basketball team right now, but long term I think this is setting themselves up to um, perhaps make improvements down the line. And I think that, that was the whole idea behind this trade because that Ryan Harrison contract had hamstrung them significantly. You are right, it is much easier to move Brandon Knight because it is he his contract is only as of right now two years thirty million dollars remaining, whereas you know Ryan Anderson was two years forty million dollars remaining, which is damn near impossible to move. Like I mean, it it, it took the Rockets parting with um, DeAnthony Melton, who by in the eyes of many had become a a future had become a first round prospect that had fallen to the second round. Right? It took parting yeah. way with, parting ways with that guy. To move Ryan Anderson, so I I understand why uh, they made this trade. It's boring. It, I I understand why Rockets fans were kind of underwhelmed by it because they were expecting that wing. They if if the Rockets were going to trade Ryan Anderson, a lot of people assumed it was going to be for a Kent Bazemore type or a James Johnson type or a Courtney Lee type. And I understand why this trade might be boring, but it signals more to come. Yep. Uh... And it may be the last trade we see until the season begins. And even if that's so, that means we're that much closer to actually seeing what this team looks like in practice, which is weird that we're wondering about that given how certain everything seemed at the end of last season. For sure. Yeah, so, I mean, that's pretty much it. We only start, We only podcasted just to cover this trade. I'm surprised we went this long on it. But um, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Follow me on Twitter at Red Nation Hoops. Follow Forrest on Twitter at do not give us five stars on itunes it really helps people find the show and we'll be continuing to podcast probably once training camp rolls around maybe preseason um probably after media day is is where we're looking at realistic content to work with 
in terms yeah, of the Rockets. Something might happen. Right. Yeah. Media Day is probably the like the next likely target to work with in terms of the next podcast. So yeah, guys, subscribe to the podcast on Twitter. Give us five stars and good night. <laughs>